Nadja Albertsen spent a year in Antarctica working as a doctor for the European Space Agency at the Concordia Scientific Base. Today, she shares her experience of isolation in one of the remotest places on Earth and her lessons for a more sustainable future. My name is Nadja Albertsen. I'm a medical doctor and a health anthropologist. And currently I'm working in Denmark, in Aalborg, where I'm a PhD student working on a project on cardiac arrhythmias in Greenland. And previously I worked in Denmark and Greenland, and I spent uh, 13 months in Concordia in Antarctica from November 2018 till November 2019. And I was a research medic for the European Space Agency, which means that I was um, carrying out different projects, scientific projects. And I was also responsible for our water sampling and managing the local rescue team in the base. Life in Concordia and in Antarctica in general is uh, pretty special. Um, basically, there's two seasons, a very short summer from November till February, where the sun never sets and it's quite warm, about minus 20. And it's super busy, lots of scientists, lots of technicians. And in Concordia, there's room for about 60 people. And at some points during the summer, we were 100. So it was really, really busy. And then in February, the temperature start, starts to drop to around minus 40, minus 50. So the planes can't take off or land at Concordia any longer. So the winter starts and the base closes its doors. And for the next nine months, we were only 13 people in the base, um, carrying out different scientific projects and just uh, living a very isolated life. Living in isolation for nine months um, was, uh, it was, it was special. It was something that you had to consider before leaving because it's really um, a very extreme kind of isolation because when the temperatures get that low, you can't leave the base and you can't get any help from the outside. So if anything happens in the base, like a blackout or a medical emergency, you have to manage. So we could evacuate the base and live in tents. Uh, if any emergencies happened to the base, or if someone got hurt, we had a hospital where we could treat the patient. But it could mean that for nine months, we would have to treat that patient in the hospital, or we would have to live outside the base. So it's, it's really something that you have to consider before leaving. It also means that you have to be able to take care of yourself. So you have to have everything you need. You have to have all the food, you have to have um, the means to generate heat and electricity and the water and you have to you have to bring enough toothpaste for a year and body lotion and all all that kind of things when you live in antarctica you're surrounded by ice i mean you're surrounded by water but in order to get drinking water you have to you have to go out you have to collect the snow or the ice from a place where there's no pollution. You have to bring it back to the base, you have to melt it. And then for the drinking water, you also have to add minerals. And 
The Concordia station is based quite high in about 3,000 meters uh, of altitude. So, and the air is really, really dry. So you lose a lot of water. So you also drink a lot of water. So the water consums consumption is quite high. Also, you still need to use water for the food and for the for showering and washing clothes and cleaning and whatever. So you, sp you use so much water there. Um, and then we had a water treatment unit there, which is really, really cool. Um, it, and we were actually able to recycle about 80% of the water. And that really makes a big difference. Um, the summer we were leaving, so the, the Antarctic summer of 2019, they were making some repairs to the water treatment unit, so they took it out of use. And then they, there was a, a mechanic who was in charge of collecting the ice, and he went from maybe spending an hour each day of collecting ice to doing it as a full-time job. Like he, he spent all day just collecting ice, and that's it's. You really learn how pre precious a resource uh, water is, and you also really learn to take short showers. The reason why the European Space Agency is using the Concordia station as, as a, a sort of a model for space traveling. Um, well, for once, there's the isolation, which is very common to being in space. You, you have to rely on a small team. Uh, you, you have to bring everything you need, and you have to be aware that if something happens, you may have to wait a long time before anyone outside the base can assist you. So, so that's some of the similarities, like the physical uh, similarities. And then um, there's the hypoxia as well, because when you go into space, you have to bring oxygen. So it's really interesting to know how hypoxia can affect people, because if we can do with a little bit less of oxygen than, than we normally living, you, have to bring, you can bring a little bit less into space. So that's, that's also really interesting. And then um, there's also like, um, the entire group dynamics, like how do you put a team together that, that, that can work well in these circumstances and what kind of people are well suited for, for living in these conditions, like uh, what kind of personality types. And then of course also like this, the mental and the physical short-term reaction, but also the long-term reactions. like. For example, if, if they find that we lose, lose muscle or bone mass, how long time does it take before it becomes normal again, if it becomes normal? And if it doesn't, then why not? So, so there's a lot of similarities. Um, of, of course, there's also some differences because the lack of gravity in space is really, really important in, in the physical changes that astronauts go through. Uh, and also the radiation, of course, that they have in space is, is a big factor as well. The message I would like to send to the visitors is that I would recommend everybody to just stop for a few minutes and take a break and just try to be aware of, of their life and their surroundings and just how the nature around them looks and smells and sounds and, and just um, try to rediscover the world. And then I would also recommend that people take some time away from all the commodities in their life. Um, try to go somewhere where there's no phone connection or internet connection, or maybe even you have to, you know, go out and get your own water and 
you have to, when you go to the toilet, you have to dig a hole in the ground or whatever, but just try to become aware of all the work that is behind the luxurious life that most of us live in, in Europe today. Space for Our Planet is a podcast produced by Tim Cat, with support from the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs. We're also supported by the European Commission, DG DEFIS, the European Space Agency, the French Space Agency, CNES, NERUS, the network of European regions using space technologies, and the Canadian NGO, GIVE.